Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Take out those worship guides. Let's go right into it. My joy is my job. Week two of this study through the book of Philippians. And Pastor Bobby did a great job in this series. And let me just tell you a preacher terms, okay? There's a, a preacher term uh, called, um, there's two different kinds of camps when it comes to preaching. One's called topical preaching. So you get kind of a topic and you preach off that topic. That's kind of the way the camp I'm in. I always like to find different topics and preach it off that. And then there's another camp that's called expository preaching. Okay, you'll probably never have to know this, but just so you know. And, and they kind of always battle of which one's the right one. And so when, I, when I'm in those arguments, I always say that uh, topical's right because Jesus and Paul so uh, that uh, kind of helps me out. But, but truthfully, I think both are really helpful. So we do both of them here. And this is our, our expository series. In other words, we t- find a book of the Bible. We go verse by verse. So we did chapter one last week. I'll do chapter two this week, chapter three and chapter four. I'll do the next two weeks. And then after that, we go into at the movies 2019. So our summer is going to be amazing. It's going to be huge. So let's go. Chapter two. We heard last week there's a difference between joy and happiness. Paul cuts us at this really kind of broad level. And then in chapter two, he goes super specific and super practical. And I'm telling you, it's going to change your life today. Look what he says in verse one, which, by the way, I bring my chair up here only for the expository ones. Because it makes me just look smarter, doesn't it? I wanted to get fake, sunglasses, fake glasses, and I have my Bible here to read out of just so I look cool, but... Um, it's all a facade. All right, ready? All right, there. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any um, common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then here's what you can do. You, want, you can make my joy, here's the word, complete, okay? Make my joy complete. In other words, you don't have complete joy, but you can experience complete joy if you do something that is very specific. So I'm gonna help you increase your joy today And here's what you need to do. It says being like-minded and having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. One in spirit and of one mind. So here's what Paul says. All right, Paul says, listen, I want you guys to have joy. I want you guys to live in joy. He's in the middle of prison writing this letter. But he says it like this. He goes from really big picture to really practical in chapter two, and it's super important that we understand this idea, because how many know, he goes, listen, you can't have joy internally if you don't figure out this thing called relationships around you. So here's what I'm gonna help you with, ready? Write it down in your notes. We're gonna talk in week two about joy in our relationships. Joy in our relationships, because we've all had it happen, haven't we? We're, we're, have, we're on cloud nine, we're living the dream, the birds are chirping, Come on, we're, we're smiles on our face. You're walking on sunshine. You're having a good day. And then all of a sudden, some stupid person says some stupid thing. How, how many of had it happen? You get around some crazy people, and what happens? Your joy just gets depleted in a second. It, it's crazy how, how, how people can say one thing. They can write one thing online. They can, they can drive a certain way on 275. Come on, help me out, church. And what does it do? It just depletes your joy. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of joy depleters that come around my life. Not, not you guys, but other people that just, they just ruin your joy. They're joy killers is what I call them. Uh, I have, we had one lady, um, she, was, she was a joy killer. She, bless her heart. She, isn't that funny? We always say bless her heart when like, people are crazy. We're like, bless her heart. That's Christianese for you're crazy. So she, she, was, she was one of those people. And Every week she had something crazy to say to me, and so she's no longer with us. Um, not like she's, she's around the world, she's just, she's not here, <laughs> so. 
That's funny. Um, and so I remember one service, she pulled me aside. Every time she pulled me aside, I was like, here it comes again. There's another one. She walks in, she pulls me aside and said, oh, pastor. She's like, are you sick today? I was like, no, I'm not sick. I'm feeling good. You sure you don't have a temperature or anything? This is exact words. It's like, no, I, I feel fine. She's like, well, you were just really off. So I just didn't know what it was. I was like, well, you're off. You're crazy. <laughs> what does it do? It takes our life. We can be full of joy, and then we get around some people, and they just, they kill it out of us. So, so I thought it would be fun today to have a little bit of fun with this, and because and, we just like to laugh at church, and talk about some of the joy killer type personality types that you probably run across. So, so I just wrote up a couple of these. Um, maybe you know the, the hammer. Come on, how many know this person, the hammer? They, they come into your world, and they just, they've got something to say. They've got a point to make. They don't want any response from you, and what do you do? They, but when they leave, you go, I'm depressed. Like, that was terrible. Why did you have to say that? So uh, I have other people in my life, we call them the megaphone. In other words, they just can't stop talking. You know what I mean? Like, you know those people that you just get around them, you're like, can I say anything in this conversation? I, I sat with one person the other day, and, and we had a conversation. I thought it was a conversation until I realized about an hour and a half later, I was like, I didn't say anything an entire time. That's not a conversation. That's a megaphone. Here's another one, one of my favorites, the downer. Y'all know this one? They just, no matter how great it is, they're going to find something negative. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's struggle. It's, it's rough. Um, I'll tell you, my grandmother, we're all this at times, but my grandmother, she's very positive, but sometimes she can be just a downer, and, and I love her so much, and, and I honor you, Grandma, but uh, we were at my, my daughter's basketball the other game, day, um, game the other day. She's, she's six. She's not good. We're just learning. It's fun, okay? So I'm encouraging her that, none, you know, there's no rules. They're all just having fun on there. And so Lily shoots, and it, like, it's an air ball. It doesn't even come close to the rim. But I'm, I'm the dad. And come on, baby, that's so good. You're doing a good job. I mean, it's a good shot. And I look back at my grandmother. She's like, you need to stop saying that. That was not a good shot. It's like, Grandma, she's six. She's just, you, people can be, be a downer. Here's another one. I call them the volcano. You all know the volcano? The volcano, they're, they're unpredictable, and they'll blow at any moment. You know what I mean? They get into a room, and when they do blow, it's like, it's just volcanic, just mean, angry kind of, and you leave there, you're like, I'm burned right now. Like, I've just come in contact with them, I'm burned. How about this one? I call this one the space cadet. Come on, you got some of those. Maybe you're sitting next to one of those right now. They're just, they're just not all there. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're talking, but nobody's home. And, you know, it's like, you look at them, you're like, you're a little spacey. It's, you just want to go, do, 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 every time they're talking. Yeah, I know. They, they just kill joy. Here's another one. I call it uh, the clam or the, the silent treatment. Or, come on, you know this one? Every time you get mad at them, they just, they pull the silent treatment. I'm not talking to you for two days because of that. I'm like, how is I going to resolve anything? It's just, it's just harsh and kills joy. How about this one? I they call it the nitpicker. You got some nitpickers in your life. They're, they're going to find the one thing that's wrong with the whole situation, and, and, and they're going to point it out completely. Let, you're, like, you're like, well, this is, a, this is coral color. No, that's mauve. Get it right. Some of y'all are sitting there going, no, those are not even connected. You know, like, you know, you're a nitpicker. I know what you're talking They're the ones that interrupt your stories when you're like, well, I, I drove two miles to get here. They're like, it was 2.4 miles to get here. What does that matter? Like, you're, you're crazy, so. Um, all right, the crybaby, how many cry, you know what I'm talking about? It's just always whining. Like, you just get around them. You're full of joy, and you get around them. You're like, I just feel sad now. Like, it's just always sad. And one more, I, I call it the garbage collector. 
They just, they, they never let things go. You know what these people are? They're the ones that come up to you and they write you the message like, in middle school, you took that piece of pizza and it was mine. Or you said that one thing, you're like, who holds on to that for 25 years? Like, but they just carry it with them. And, and what does it do? When you come across them, it just kills your joy. And I don't want us to have joy killers in our life. I don't want us to live this way where we're living without joy in our relationship. So what do we do about it? Well, some people choose to just, you know, isolate themselves. Let's get out of this thing. Let's not join a small group. Let's not get connected in the church. Let's only watch online. Let's delete our Facebook. We don't want any connection because some people are gonna be crazy. And that's just not a way to live, by the way. Because here's why, write it down in your notes, because life can be defined in one word, and that's the word relationships. You need them in your life. You need godly, good relationships in your life. And that means there's gonna be some people in your life that are joy killers in your life. So how do we deal with this? Well, we gotta figure out how to do relationships better. And I, I think it's brilliant that chapter one, Paul gives us this overview of, of joy. And chapter two, he hits the number one issue that'll kill joy in your life, and it's wrong relationships. And here's why, write it down in your notes, guys, because the quality of your relationships determines the quantity of your joy. That's a good one-liner that Aaron Burke came up with, original right there, chum. And I, I want you to have more joy. I want, as Paul says, I want your joy to be complete today. So how do we have complete joy? We've got to have quality relationships. So here's, here's our tendency over the next few minutes. Listen to me. The tendency is going to be for you to write down these notes and think, oh, I can't wait to tell Sally this. I can't wait to tell Johnny this. Oh, I'm going to share this message with this person. And I want you to share it. I want you to let them know. By the way, if someone shared this message with you, they probably think you need to, some help in this area. So that's good. But for the next few minutes, can I encourage you to, to put the, the spotlight of the Holy Spirit on yourself for a few minutes? And maybe, just maybe, we're the problem in our relationships. Maybe, just maybe, if we learn how to be joy bringers into our relationship instead of joy killers, then God will honor us and bring some joy people in our life also. Amen? Like So, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you four things right here in this passage of how we can make sure that we are not joy killers in people's lives, that we bring joy into all of our relationships. Here's the first one. Write it down in your notes. It's simply just check your motives. Check your motives because nobody wants to be in a relationship with somebody. Nobody wants to have a friendship with somebody who has the wrong no motives, who has ulterior motives, who's trying to sell them something, who's trying to sign them up for some kind of plan. Like, it's just not good. And Paul addresses this head on. Look what he says. He says, do nothing. This is the next verse, verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It's huge when it comes to relationships. Rather, in humility, here's what you do. You value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest. It's not what can I get out of this thing. It's I'm gonna look to the interest of who? Of others. In other words, let me find out how I can serve other people instead of just myself. Now, this is rare in our world, but I want you to understand this because you were created to love, to love people and to use things. That's how we were created. But we have flipped it because of selfishness in our society and we flipped it, and here's what we do now. We love things, and we use people. So people are a means to the end that we want to get in our life. So you only befriend that guy because he can introduce you to that girl, or you only get involved in that thing because then that'll get you to the next place, or you're only nice to that coworker because it's your way of getting a promotion. You see, like, we use people, and we wonder why we don't have genuine joy in our relationships. Now, now let me just say this. Like, I'm not against uh, sales and direct marketing, and direct sales, and all those kind of multi-level things. I love it. Do whatever it takes for you to make finances, and make a difference, and supply for your family. I got all that. 
But can we leave the weirdness out of some of this like a little bit? Because some of it has ruined relationships where you're pursuing people going, hey, listen, I I really want to be your friend. Hey, come over to my house. And really, you're trying to sell them Tupperware. Let's be honest. I I have a friend, a a pastor in in town who uh, contacted me right when I moved here. Hey, I want to get to know you more. I said, that'd be awesome. Every pastor needs friends, and he's a pastor in town. And I thought, I want to be. I need friends. So I I went over to his house, and he was showing me his stuff. And then I go there, and there's all these bottles of, like, some juice that he wants to sell me. Actually, the reason I brought you over here is because I want to sell you this juice that'll help you get. I'm like, is it communion juice? How is this supposed to be? Like, I don't know. And I realized, I was like, oh, you had, a, you had an ulterior motive in this. You didn't want relationship. And you know what it did to me? It deflated my joy in that moment. So I'm not against selling things. I'm not against, let's sell the oils and the makeup and all this stuff. But don't call that relationship. Listen, don't use relationship as a means to try to get your way in some kind of thing because it's ruining our society and people need good friends. They need good relationships. They need, they leave selfishness out of it. And, and I, I, listen, I, hear my heart. I love the programs, love the sales, do whatever it takes. But let's make sure we pursue relationship with people with honest motives. Here's what selfishness is. Thank you so much, somebody in here. All right, here, here's what selfishness is, ready? Because selfishness is simply, it's not living as one wishes to live. But selfishness is actually asking others to live as they one wishes them to live. So it's, it's putting your agenda on somebody else. So, and you know who's this hardest for, and I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's hardest for my personality. I'm type A, I've got an agenda, I wanna get stuff done, and, and with us type A, and you know who you are in this room, when you're the type A, you'll use whoever you need to use to get the thing done, to get the deal done, to get the sale done, to get the promotion, to get the girl. You'll do whatever it takes. I'm telling you, you're using a gift that I believe God gave you for a purpose that God never intended you to use it for. Here, here, here's what the scriptures say about our, our gifts. It says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to, here, here it is, if you're driven, you're motivated, here's what it is, to do what? To serve others. Listen, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, use that gift. Use, use that drive, that personality you have. You love to get people together. Use it to serve others, not to get something out of them. I don't know about you. I'm thankful that God came in the right motives. He came not to get something out of us, but to give something to us. Come on, can we give God a little bit of thanks that his motives were pure when he was establishing our relationship? All right, number two, you're gonna bring joy into relationships. Here's the second one, is you need to check your attitude Check your tood. Here's a big one. Because I would suggest to you today that 99% of your relational problems are rooted in a bad attitude. We woke up on the wrong side of the bed, we had a bad day at work, and we take it out on people closest to us. So here's what Paul says. Look at that next verse. It's crazy how you go verse by verse. It just teaches us so much. It says, your attitude right there should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Well, that's a big standard to live by. He tells us, he says, listen, who being the very nature of God, he could have, listen, if Jesus would have been ran by his earthly attitude, come on, you don't know, one day of waking up on the wrong side of the bed, he would have struck some people dead. Those disciples would have never made it. If he was living today with with the attitude I have at times, I would have killed some people this morning. It's just what I do. I'm telling you, but his attitude was different. He, look what he said. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Look what he did. He wasn't trying to get his way on people. He humbled himself. He said, and became obedient to death, even 
death on the death on the cross. So, so Jesus found a way to check his attitude, and it helps bring joy into relationships. I think about Katie and I. The, a majority of our issues and our arguments always come from the fact that we end up apologizing, but guess what it started in? I just had a bad day. I took it out on you. My attitude was wrong. And, and it, it messes up our relationships. R- write it down this way. Listen, because I don't believe you can have a bad relationship with a good attitude. So some of you are like, well, my relationship with my mom is just a bad relationship. My relationship with my spouse is bad. My relationship with my kids are bad. No, no, I think it's your attitude's bad. Because if your attitude towards it was different, the whole thing would be different. But at the same time, flip it around. I don't think you can have a good relationship with a bad attitude. So you're in here today and you're like, oh, I want a good relationship. Well, then you gotta change your attitude. Because our attitude does everything. And for us, if we're gonna cultivate a relationship with full of joy, we gotta keep our attitude in check and go, man, what was the attitude of Jesus? I'm telling you, if, Jesus, if anybody had the reason, and I know what you're thinking right now, you're going, well, Aaron, if you knew how, how many mistakes people would make, if you knew how much they screwed up, of course my attitude's bad. Look how bad these people have treated me. If anybody had a reason to have a bad attitude, it was Jesus. If anybody was mistreated, it was Jesus. If anybody should have been offended, it was Jesus. But Jesus wasn't that. He was not negative. He was not a downer. He was positive. I don't know about you. I'm glad that I serve a positive God, a loving God, a gracious God, a faithful God. That's the attitude of God. At least it was towards me. And I think if we're going to have this, an attitude, we're going to pick our attitude. Let's pick the attitude of Christ Jesus. I'm just going to be a positive guy. I'm gonna, let me tell you, your issue in your workplace probably has very little to do with your boss being the issue. It probably has everything to do with your bad attitude. Watch what happens when you walk in with the attitude of Christ Jesus. I'm gonna be positive. I'm gonna look up at them. I'm gonna speak life over them. I'm gonna believe the best of them. I'm not gonna hold their issues against them. Watch how you crazy get a, you just get promoted right then. And why? Because attitude determines everything. If you're gonna choose your attitude, Paul tells us in Philippians 4 what our attitude should be. It says it like this. He says, brothers and sisters, here's what it is. Whatever's true, noble, right, Pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. That's what your attitude should be. So here's what I hear all the time. Well, Aaron, what I'm telling them is it's, it's right, and I'm just trying to, here's what I hear. I'm just trying to be honest with them. No, you're just mean. That's, you don't always have to be honest with them. Sometimes you just got to look at them and go, what is honest is obvious, but I'm gonna look beyond what's obvious. I'm gonna look what's positive. I'm gonna find what is praiseworthy, what is admirable, what is lovely, what is right. Come on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna choose my attitude the right way. Can I hear a good amen from somebody today? All right, all right, number three. This is probably the biggest of all of them. Ready? You need to check your spiritual health. Check your spiritual health. Paul addresses this head on, a root issue in so many of our lives when it comes to our issues and not having joy in our relationships. Here's what it is, ready? He says it like this in verse 12, same chapter, chapter two, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, here's what you need to do. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is a very controversial verse, and I don't think it should be, because it makes a lot of sense when it comes to relationships. So when you're in a relationship, don't worry about what they're doing in their salvation and their issue. Work out your salvation with fear And with trembling, here's why, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And so here's what this looks like, okay? 
many of you guys are, are sitting there and every time you try to get in a good relationship, you mess it up. Every time you try to invest in your kids, you mess it up. Every time you try to invest in your marriage, you mess it up. And here's why. Because you're trying to give them something you actually don't have in yourself in your life. You're trying, what you end up, you always end up giving the people around you, the closest to you, the thing that is what is inside of you. So a lot of you are giving them anger and hurt and resentment and bitterness. Why? Because that's what's rooted inside of you. So that's why Paul says, listen, with your relationships, here's what you do. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. In other words, get filled up first and watch what happens when you get your relationship with God right. Then your relationships with others will work out even better. So, so, so make it where you get filled up first. My, my kids have got one of those power wheels, um, you know, those little cars that they drive around. And my dad, he's so funny. He always buys my kids bizarrely big toys um, that are just huge at our house. So he bought this thing. It's got like the rims on it, the whole deal. It's really funny. So my, my son, who's two and a half, is, drives it all the time now. It's funny how much he drives this thing. He, he literally will drive it all over the neighborhood, I mean, all over the yard. And uh, the, the staff all came over the other day. And uh, he had like all the little girls from the staff, uh, daughters, all sitting there. He had his arm around him driving this thing. It was really bizarre. I'm very worried about him. So he, he's driving all over the place. And having fun, but it's so funny because he will, uh, he'll drive all around there. I asked him the other day, I was like, where are you driving? He's like, going to get chicken nuggets and doing this thing. So anyway, we have, we have this big backyard. Anyway, he, uh, he, it ends up inevitably, it's going to die. It always does. It dies out all the time. So he goes and drives this thing and every day I have to go and get it. And it's somewhere in the back of the yard. It's never next to the garage, right? It's somewhere in the back. And what do I do? I have to get this thing that should have been filled because it's not filled up. It becomes from a blessing to now a burden. And guess what? He ain't pushing that thing. It's me. I'm pushing this stupid thing. Think about why in the world did we have this thing. That's how a lot of your relationships are. You're sitting there, and it's a burden now. Here's why. Because you're just simply empty. You haven't spent time with God. You haven't been filled by his presence. And why? And so the people around you are getting the junk in your life instead of the joy that comes with knowing Jesus. I'll be honest with you. There are two Aaron Burks. People don't, shouldn't talk about this, but it's true. All right, there's an Aaron Burke that hopefully you see a lot, okay? He spends time with God, and out of that time with God, I'm telling you, I smile a lot. I say hi. I, I'm, I'm kind. I'm a good spouse. I'm good looking. I just, like, I pastor well, preach good. I'm telling you, people are, if people are driving and crazy in traffic, just cut in front of me. I just wave. I'm just happy. You know, I, the people that, that skip all the traffic, all the merge, and go all the way to the end, Come in front of me. When I've spent time with God, doesn't matter. Just come in front of me. Jesus loves you. You might have somewhere to go. Like, I'm, I'm like a Joel Osteen guy. Like, I'm just happy all the time. That's me. I'm telling you, I'm a better spouse. I'm a better parent when I've spent time with Jesus. Now, you might not know this. There is a second Aaron Burke. And, and, and my wife knows who this is. My staff definitely knows who this is. Like, it's the Aaron Burke that I got too busy. I didn't spend time with God. I rushed out of the house. I'm telling you, I'm mean in traffic. I, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I snap at people. Come on, still good looking, but having struggles. Like still guy, same guy, but with issues. Why? Why? Because listen, you will always be the overflow of, who you, of your relationship with God. You're always gonna be the overflow of your relationship with God. I actually, I can call it out in people all the time. Our staff will have meetings and I'll have someone, they're snappy and they're angry all the time. I'll pull them aside. I won't say like, is ministry okay with this? I was like, when's the last time you spent time with Jesus? 
When's the last time you, you prayed? Well, it's been a while, Pastor. We all know because you're crazy right now. Let me tell you, you will never bring joy into your relationship until you get your spiritual life right first. Let's prioritize him and watch the joy that'll come from it. Here's what I wrote. I wrote this at 5.30 this morning, and this is the best one-liner you'll walk away with, because hear me out. Listen, when it comes to your spiritual health, the greatest thing you can give your children is a healthy marriage. We all know that. Your kids don't need you to make more money. They don't need you to take them on more trips. The best thing they need is they need a model to follow of what a godly, Christ-centered marriage is. But, hear me out, but the greatest gift you can give your spouse is a healthy spiritual life. So everybody wants a healthy marriage, but they don't know healthy marriages are the byproduct of a healthy spiritual life, that you have to take care of you first. So spending that five minutes alone with the Lord, spending that time in your Bible reading plan, getting filled up. I'm not gonna miss church because I'm, I'm gonna get filled up. I'm gonna tell you, you made a good decision today. You're gonna walk out of here, your battery packed is charged up, and you're gonna bring joy into every relationship because you took care of your spiritual life first. Can I get a better amen than that today? Here, here's why. It's the motto of my life. Write it down in your notes this way. The motto of my life is that I want those who know me the best to respect me the most. And you can fake it in here on Sunday with praise God, Aaron, Pat, hallelujah. Yeah, I've got my hands raised. But your wife knows who you really are. Your kids see who you really are on Wednesday. So we can't, we, we've got to be able to close the gap of, of, of who this Sunday person is and who they are every single day. So I'm going to make sure that I prioritize God not just the first day of the week, but the first time of every single day of the week. I'm gonna put God first. It, let me tell you, if anybody could have lived life around people 24-7 and not had to spend time with God, it was Jesus. If anybody could have. Like, let me tell you, he was God. Like, he could have done all of this on his own. But yet, throughout the time of Jesus' ministry, we hear this phrase all the time. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. And that phrase, by the way, right there, is sandwiched between Big crowds and big crowds. Here's what it means. Jesus knew in order for me to bring into these crowds what I need to, I've got to get alone with the Father. I've got to get intimate with God. And a lot of you guys are missing it because you're trying to fix a relationship without fixing first your relationship with God. Get this right and watch how this will be right in your life. Come on, give God better praise than that, amen? All right, number four, last one. We're gonna close it out. It's simply this last phrase. is that you need to check your intentionality. In other words, make sure you're intentional about your relationships. Paul addresses this almost in every letter in the Bible, in the, in the uh, books that he wrote, where he constantly goes and gives names of people that he's sending in different places, pastors that he's encouraging. Paul was super intentional about his relationships, and here's why. Because he knew that the more intentional we are and the more, um, the more focused we are in our relationships, the more joy it'll bring into people's lives. So here's what he says. He closes out this one talking about the intentionality of a guy named Timothy, and he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. I, I want my name to be on that list. Like, I want, I want people to go, oh, you need encouragement? Send Aaron. Send Sarah. Oh, send John. John, that guy, when he gets in your life, he's so intentional to in making sure that, that, that you're gonna be all that God's called you to be. He said it like this. I, I, he says that I also may be cheered when I receive the news about you. I'm gonna be happy when I hear about this relationship. I have no other place no one else like him, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. He says like this, listen, when Timothy comes, Timothy's not gonna be out for his own game. Timothy's gonna be someone that shows genuine concern for you. Because everybody else only looks after their own selves. But he says, no, this guy looks after that of Jesus Christ. 
So I'm going to be intentional about this. I wonder when's the last time you got intentional about going, I'm going to have godly, righteous relationships in my life, in my spouse, in my friendships, with my kids. I'm just going to be intentional about it. I'm not going to let it happen by accident. I'm going to let it happen intentionally. And watch what happens, guys. Listen up to me. When you get intentional about going, I'm going to be the joy bearer when it comes to my relationships. People tell me all the time, well, Aaron, I wish that was the case, but everybody around me is a joy killer. They have issue after issue after issue. You gave that list, and I checked off about eight of them. That were all my friends. I know. I live with them. Now, I understand that world, but let me just tell you, I've learned from the very beginning, last note, write it down, that if you want a friend, you've got to be a friend. You want joy, you got to bring joy in your relationships. So I'm going to be a Timothy in people's lives. I'm going to be someone that's intentional going, no, I'm going to be the one that steps in. I'm going to be the one that leads the group. We have group leader training. You might complain every semester, well, there's not a group for me. You be the Timothy that we can send to go, no, no, we're going to celebrate when people hear about you because you're the one that brought people together and we cheered you on because you're making joy complete. Let it start with you. Because listen to me, and I'll close with this. That's how Jesus did it. In no way did he say, hey, I want to be friends with them. They've got to come up to me. Well, if I'm going to be friends with them, they got to get their act together. No, no, no. Jesus looked down on us in our mess and our issue and said, I want to be friends with them. I will start the friendship first. Reminds me of my 11th grade year. I got kicked out of Christian school. Many of you know the story. And now I'm a preacher. So expelled from Christian school, anything can happen. So I remember that last month I had to go to public school for the very first time in my entire life. And it's the worst thing. Going to any school the last, like, month, you don't have any friends. They've all got their friends. They're all looking forward to the summer. I walked in a month, and I had no friends um, in my class. I remember going to lunch for the first time, and in my lunch period, I was just looking around going, please let me know someone. I knew nobody in the cafeteria. Saw some, like, little ninth grade kids, and I was like, well, I guess they're kind of, they look a little dorky. I'll, I'll kind of hang out with them. So I went to go sit down with them, and they told me to leave because they might have other friends come. Yeah, jerks. Yeah, I know. So... I remember that first day, it was so embarrassing. I sat by myself in the bathroom. It was terrible. Like, yeah, you should feel bad for me. So uh, the next few days, I sat by myself outside at those little picnic tables, and I was just so sad. Like, if you've ever been lonely, it's like the worst feeling in the world. I think there's some people here today, you've just been lonely. Like, you have joy in your relationships. That's how I felt. It was the loneliest I've ever been in my entire life. There's a girl, in the, a senior in the school who was a friend of mine from church. And she had a different lunch period than me. She's the only person I knew in the entire school. And I remember she met with her guidance counselor and got a month before school's out, got her whole, she's like, hey, there's, there's lunch at this time, but then I have a free period. The time after that, can I switch? Because I have a guy that's in that lunch period that's by himself and I want to meet with him and I want to hang out with him and I, he needs some friends. And I, I'm telling you, I didn't know any of this until about three days into school. I'm sitting by myself outside, you know, pouting, going, I wish I had a friend, you know, the whole deal. And then in comes this girl. She just walks up. She's like, Aaron. I was like, what are you doing? This isn't your lunch period. She's like, I changed my whole lunch period. I want to make sure that you have someone to sit with your last, your last month that you had. So I brought some friends. We brought some friends. We became friends. We're still friends to, like, to this day. And I thought about that story the other day going, that's exactly what Jesus did for me and for you. That's exactly what Jesus did. When we were without joy, without friends, with separated from God, Jesus said, no, I'm going to get involved in their life. I'm going to switch some things around. I'm going to get close to them. I'm telling you, if you're looking for a friend today, he's already been the initiator. He's already gotten close to you. He loves you. He cares for you. And I'm telling you, the ball is now in your court because he's done his part to build that friendship with you so that you can truly have your joy complete. I want to pray for two different groups of people. Everybody in this place, just close your eyes. 
first group of people and you're in here today and you're, and you're in drama in your relationships, I just want you right now to just submit that issue to the Lord. Just give it to him. Some of you, it, it's because your, your attitude's not in check or your motives are wrong. Some of you, you're just not intentional or your spiritual life is out of order. Just say, God, help me do right in my relationships. Help me to honor you in my relationships. Come on, there's people in here today. You're, you're having drama in your marriage. or you're, Say, God, help me. I, I take responsibility. I will bring joy into that relationship right now. The second one is there's people in here today and you're living without Christ. And I want you to know that God loves you. He cares for you. And he wants to bring joy into your life. He's already done the steps to come close to you. Now it's your time to respond. Today can be your day of salvation where you can start a friendship with God. Your sins can be forgiven. You can start this relationship with God and your life will forever be changed. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up. I want you to wave at me, put it right back down and say, today's my day of salvation. I want to give my life to Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. All over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. St. Pete, thank you so much. Everybody in this room, thank you so much. Just pray this prayer. Say, God, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I want to be your friend. Lord, thank you for taking the first step. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Today, I want to live for you. Not just today, but for the rest of my life. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, Radiant Church, let's celebrate a dozen or so people right in this room. Oh, we can do better than that. Welcome to the family of God. We're so glad that you're with us. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna end the service by doing two things. First of all, if you're here and you just made that decision, take that connection card, check on there. I committed my life to Christ and we wanna send you some resources. We're gonna send you a book. We believe this isn't the end. It's just the beginning and we're honored to help you on this journey. Second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna honor God with our generosity and thank you Radiant Church for investing in the future of this church. We are living in a miracle. And we're gonna continue this miracle going forward through this expansion offering. 100% of the giving today is gonna go towards our Brandon and our Heights location. So thanks for being faithful. Thanks for being sacrificial. And I can't wait next week to celebrate with you of what God has done through this giving. Lord, uh, there's three ways to give right here in the service, online, text giving. And I'm gonna pray the Lord's blessing over you as you honor him today through your finances. Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you that we are giving to a place that's, that's good on its word. We're a place built with character and integrity. Lord, I thank you that we're gonna be good stewards of everything you've brought in. Lord, we've seen miracles so far in the last five years, and it's just the beginning. The offering today, Lord, is gonna help continue to build your church throughout Tampa Bay. And I pray right now that as we go into Brandon, we go into the Tampa Heights area, that you would use this offering, Lord, to reach people far from you. And I do not only pray a blessing over your church, I pray a blessing over your people as they give to you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody that agrees with it says, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.